Thank you for being here. Welcome to the Small Worlds Podcast, designed to explore frameworks of love, purpose, and connection. Yeah. Okay, we colder than the breeze, but the breeze ain't flowing like me, mother. Hold up. You don't need a hold up. Yeah. This is one of the opening bars coming right off of What's the Use, straight out of Mac Miller's Swimming, dropped in 2018. What's good, y'all? I'm telling you, that line was so fire that sometimes I just pause the song because I'm like, can we unpack how amazing that line is? And at the same time, I want how dope this line is to be the energy for the rest of this episode today. If you are joining us for the first time, what's good? My name is Yanni, and I will be your MC. If you're returning, well, welcome back to episode 7 of the Small Worlds Podcast. As usual, I'm going to throw a big question at you all to think about to guide our conversation today. And that question is, would you still do what you love if no one could see you do it? It could actually be a really complicated question, but I'm going to take you all through what I'm currently navigating in life at this moment, not to sound so deep or anything, but today we're going to be talking about my my social media use and how I've been using it for the past couple months actually to to feel a sense of belonging and connection and and love, but in in recent weeks have just felt really overwhelmed with with how I've been using it and and utilizing it and reframing its purpose in my day-to-day life. For the audience members out there who may not know me personally, I'm going to give you the handles and then we're going to work backwards from here. So check me out on Instagram at Yanni underscore Tsunami and then also find me on YouTube for some dance and blog content at Kenzo Yanni Velasquez. All right, quick story time. So upon coming to UC Berkeley, I always knew I wanted to join a competitive dance team. And to summarize this super, super, super long story, I joined probably around eight different teams, ranging from summer teams, competitive teams, and exhibition teams at Cal. I bring this to the forefront because dance became something in college that I witnessed for a lot of folks be sort of a a badge or a symbol of status. And, and that was somewhat disheartening for me, given the essence of, of how beautiful I have found dance to be in my life. And to define that, I would say as a mover, dance has been my safe haven over the past couple of years. It's been a place to process emotions, thoughts, experiences when I didn't have the words or people to share words with. And, and ultimately, it was a place of expression that could be so abstract. I didn't need to define or or have translation for what I was sharing with the world. And to ground the entirety of my desire to join a dance team in college, I would say all I wanted to do is perform. Perform because I love doing it. I wanted to be part of something bigger than me, which was a team who loved the art itself. And I wanted to grow. I wanted to become a better dancer because I've never been part of a dance team before. To take you all through a rapid timeline of my dance career in college, I joined one team, a competitive dance team, my first year, and it was great because I sucked at dancing, and I felt like the only thing I was confident in doing was performing. 
So that was my first opportunity to objectively learn some foundations and structure and ways to be what we call cleaned for pieces so that you look more cohesive and tied to a group. At that point, I just felt like I wanted to be a bucket filled with new information, tools, and techniques to grow as a dancer because I knew one thing I loved about dancing was choreographing. When looking at performances, I was always put in the back corner for my first season on the team. And at that point, I didn't even care because I got what I wanted. I was part of an amazing team with some people I thought were going to be my best friends forever. I think they're great people still, but I don't really talk to anyone on my team anymore. And, and that's just the way things are. And, and it's not bad at all. There's no hate. But um, that's, you know, that's just the way the waves, the waves have taken form. And during that season and immediately after, I was overflowed with creativity and ambition to become a better dancer, to grow, and to hopefully lead in whatever capacity that looked like. And before I keep on continuing with the story, I want to circle back to the question I posed at the beginning. Would you still do what you loved if no one was watching? I believe that early on in this newfound wave of dance in my life, to become a better dancer, I needed a more holistic approach to dancing, which meant probably not dancing solely on this team, but leaning more into taking workshops, learning from guest choreographers, and going to studios I've never gone to before. And this is the very concept I want to be the glue for the entirety of this podcast. And that is the concept of training in silence. When I wasn't at dance practice, I would use almost every passing period, every gap, every break I had during school in the dance studio or somewhere like on Lower Sproul in, in Berkeley or Haas Pavilion where I was just freestyling, I was dancing, I was choreographing, I was doing something with dance and I just couldn't stop and it was just so infectious. Only speaking from my experience, I would say throughout the majority of my time at at Cal, whether it be on a different dance team or a different timeline on that dance journey, I really found few people, few teammates utilizing their time outside of dance practice the way I did. And I'm not here to say it's a bad or a good thing or a right or wrong thing to do, but I started to realize a lot of what I loved about dance didn't necessarily overlap with what I witnessed from the masses. All right, so I'm just here to spill some tea, and I graduated two years ago, so I actually really don't care about what anyone thinks about the subject. However, when thinking about the dance community, specifically at Cal, I'll speak only from my experience, but the dance community kind of reminds me of what Greek life or a fraternity system could be. I think a lot of the beauty of it is that a lot of people find some of their lifelong friends some amazing groups of people to kick it with, at least during college, and places just to not think so much as I usually preach on this podcast, and just to share good vibes. But as someone who is so invested in dance, in training, and wanting to, to grow and actually find fundamentals, and not just go with the wave of what's popular, or what looks cool, or what is on TikTok. We didn't even have TikTok at the time. But that's essentially what what dance sort of became, right? It became something that was trendy, who was doing what was most popular on YouTube or on Steezy. And yo, I'm not even going to front. Yeah, I was definitely part of that wave in a way that I weaved in and out because I was constantly battling 
how I wanted dance to remain in my life, to be this essence, to be this outlet with no limitations, and also working really hard to please people, to make it on teams that wouldn't want me, right? To, to put in everything and pour my heart, time, energy, everything I cared about dance, and to, to let people be the gatekeepers of, of validating if my dancing, if my, my artistic drive, my choices, my grind was good enough. Would you still do what you love if no one was watching? If you couldn't tell already, I got rejected from some of the teams that I dreamt of being on. And, you know, obviously I got over it. But I realized a lot of the pain and the disvalidation of myself came from a place of a believing in, in status over the art itself. This is hella random, but I'm going to weave in probably the only takeaway I've had so far from reading The Republic by Plato, which is extremely hard to read even through translations. And if you don't know what the Republic is, essentially it's a really old text that highlights and questions, right, what morals and ethics and law should look like in a society. And it's super hard to understand from my end. But one thing that I thought was super intriguing was that one argument that's made is that people don't necessarily do just things to be just. They do just things for the reputation of being just. And I'm going to weave that back into what I'm talking about here with dance. Not that this is objectively true, but what I felt like was that the majority of the community around me was in dance for its status symbol. They were on dance to be recognized as being part of a competitive team at Cal. They were recognized for maybe the clout of repping like your team gear or telling people you were part of X, Y, and Z. It was all about the reputation of what, what people saw and thought of you. But when we stripped everything down and it was just dance at the core, I always wondered how many people would stick around just for dance, right? How many people would find themselves in the studio outside late at night, past midnight, pouring everything they love, not so that they could be validated by someone who was a captain or a director, but to know that they were the only ones who needed to validate themselves. And I share this because this is my story. If you dig up the archives on my Instagram or even check out YouTube, you'll find a lot of my own sessions, my freestyles, when I had the studio to myself, and I'm not saying this is like the one thing people need to do if they love dance, but I spent so much time in these spaces and it's tough when you commit to a team and you're surrounded by an environment of people who don't share the same core essence as you when it comes to something you care so deeply about. And that's exactly when I decided I had to leave the teams at Cal. I had to do what I knew was best for me, and that was to find agency, to find creative power, to do dance the way I wanted, to train and not wait on anyone's agenda. I'm just going to put this out for the universe to hear. 
But out of all the teams I did at Cal, I don't think I was ever really offered to share my choreography or even have my input on choreography for the majority of teams I joined. And I say that because I put in so much work into becoming a better choreographer. I had the opportunities to teach across the Bay Area and share my art and my craft. And when it came to my teams, the people I spent the most time with, I felt like I was just pushed aside and that hella sucked. And I'm so happy that I was able to navigate not needing a sense of acceptance from those teams to know that my dance and my choreography had worth. If you look at my YouTube channel, my college goal or one of my college passion projects was to put out a dance concept video every semester of my time at Cal. And I did. And I felt like those pieces represented everything I loved about dance. I got to have my homies dance alongside me. I got to let my videographer also have a huge part in the creative vision. And I just got to do what I love. And to kind of wrap up this YouTube segment, I was really surprised to see the amount of audience I was building with my YouTube videos. I was getting like a few thousand to probably my largest video, which is around 40,000 viewers. Shout out to everyone who's seen that video. It was to That's What I Like by Bruno Mars. And I say all these things because at the very core, all I wanted to do with these projects is to put art together with people I love for an art that I love. And that's it. I wasn't really chasing views. I wasn't really trying to reach a specific demographic or audience. And it felt like these were just moments that the law of attraction manifested itself when I was just so invested in what I loved and had love not only in the end product, but through the entirety of the process, I felt like people who really understood that found me, they connected with me, they gave my videos a, a present watch, and I'm just beyond thankful for all of that. So, would you still do what you love if no one was watching? So after I kind of took this lone wolf approach to dance and started to realize that my videos were actually building up an audience, I poured more into the production quality of my videos and also started to train more so that the actual pieces and components of my choreography continued to exemplify a piece and, and development of myself that shows that I've been putting in work and that I'm actually growing as a dancer. And at this point of realization, I hit a paradigm shift. So quote unquote, unfortunately, the majority of my videos post-production quality didn't rack up nearly the same amount of views as my old stuff did. And I felt really confused because at this point in my dance career, I felt like I was actually better than I was before. I knew a lot of the repetition and creative blocks I kept facing. And at this point, I started to train a lot. I took a lot of workshops. I invested a lot of money in becoming a better dancer by just having all these different sessions and learning from a variety of teachers. And yet, I started to equate the value of what I was outputting for the world based off YouTube views. It's taken years of self-reflection and even like in this current moment to let go of that external sense of validation. And for those who follow my Instagram, 
you know I post dance on the daily. I probably session and freestyle at least once a week and put out one to two freestyles every week. And I love that process. I love being able to dance for myself and by myself during some of the most trying times this world has ever faced. And yet, not until this past week that I kind of feel that sense of validation from an external source creeping back into my meta, back into my spirit. And I hated that. I have been thankful and lucky and blessed enough to have some of my favorite artists of all time. I'm just going to take a second to name them because these are proud moments in my life and this is my podcast. So I'm just going to say it. But shout out to Snow Allegra, shout out to Pilo repping in the Bay Area, and shout out to Umi, my queen. If you ever have the chance to listen to this podcast, I love you and you're the best. But shout out to these three artists who have taken the time to be present and watching my content, to comment, and to even repost some of my pieces to their work, and, and just to see how I've interpreted their music and put my movement to flow with their artistic expression. Yo, 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 but Yanni, though, would you still do what you love if no one was watching? So now in the present moment, I find another paradigm shift, another point in which history, my history, continues to repeat myself, even after moving on from college dance teams, after even moving on from needing acceptance or validation from YouTube views, to now finding a place where my favorite artists can see my content on Instagram. It seems like yet again, I'm allowing other people to be the gatekeepers of what I find to be completely me, completely my art, and completely my love. So for some behind the scenes takes, I'm actually doing a social media detox on my end in terms of putting out content, because to be quite honest and to be vulnerable with the world, I found myself really being attached to who's viewing my stuff, who's liking my stuff during this point. And it's a constant wave I always revisit. So I know this is not going to be the last point, but I am aware this is where I am. And as I mentioned, as someone who's really purpose-driven and who cares a lot about falling in love and being in love with the process of my own work, I don't want to let other people's expectations or thoughts or interactions with my content impact how I feel with the work that I produce. So circling this all back to Mac's opening bar for this podcast, I am personally reminded that the coolest people on this planet are people who know what they're passionate about and pour everything they can into that passion, protecting it at all costs without letting other people's judgment, expectations, or value placement get in their way. I think whether it be dance, art, music, cooking, buying sneakers, whatever it is that you and the world does, when you pour everything you can into that one thing, I respect you. I love you. I think you're dope. And I really hope that you can continue to do what you love, even when no one's watching. My name's Yanni. This is Small Worlds, and I'll catch you next time. Peace.